I'm your host, Rena Friedman Watts, and this is the Better Call Daddy Show. Hey, this is Big Daddy, Wayne Friedman. That's my grandpa. Grandpa, you ready for more daddy drama? My dad is my number one hero and number one fan. And I'm a pretty cool dude. All right, season four, baby, here we go. More stories you're not going to believe. And maybe you will after you listen. Five stars. Five and a half stars, two thumbs up. You are a pretty cool dude. Love you, mommy. Don't stand on the table and damn the public. You'll get some words of wisdom to live by. Here we go again. Better call daddy. You know what your problem is? You like me. Yeah, I do. Each week, I interview a guest, share the stories with my dad, and then he weighs in at the end of every episode with his wisdom and wit. Hey, Grandpa. Everyone from influential players to inspirational fathers, and of course, controversial people. Grandpa, my mommy's calling. Creating that legacy one call at a time. And welcome to the Better Call Daddy Show. Stay tuned. Where's the music? Better call daddy cause he knows you best. He's bringing the test. He sees possibilities. Better call daddy, he'll be by your side. Better call daddy, you're the apple of his eye. He sees possibilities. Oh, Today's guest, Amy Edwards, is a total inspiration to me and my dad. She's a voice professional with 30 plus years of on-air radio experience. She recorded five albums as a solo rock artist in her 40s. She's authored two books. She's a Reiki master and a mom to two teenage girls. She's uplifted herself from two divorces and depression. She is a shining star. My dad wants to be just like her, minus the divorce part. Amy Edwards, welcome to the Better Call Daddy Show. How are you? Hi, I'm great. How are you? Good. I am so excited about this. I am too. Yeah, it's so nice to meet you for real. Yeah, I know. Shaker occasionally has sent me a few awesome guests, so I trust who he sends me. Same here. He's such an awesome connector. Shout out to Shaker. Totally. You actually have met him in person, right? Yeah, we went to California and just were like, hey, can we take you to dinner? And so we did. It was so nice. So fun to meet him. He's just the nicest guy. How did you connect with him? Oh my God. I don't know. I think it was Troscriptions. Yes. I yes, think that was it. Originally, yeah. that's how I think I connected with him too. So. <laughs> yeah. And and my boyfriend was like, what? You're just talking? I was like, I don't know. We're just friends. And like, he connected me with different people and he's just been so great. So we had a good time meeting him and everything. So yeah. You haven't met him in person? Not yet. Oh man. He's so nice. That's awesome. But that is like the podcasting community. I feel like in general. Yeah, you're right. Totally. Tell me where you are again. Are you in Houston or Chicago? Yes. Okay. I'm I'm in Houston and I actually just visited Austin for the first time like a couple what? weeks ago. Yeah. Oh shit. We could have met in real life. Oh my God. I loved Austin. I was like, I could totally see myself living there. And I only went once. So you're not alone. I mean, like Justin came here three years ago just to do a podcast and literally never left. <laughs> I mean, like <laughs> my boyfriend, yeah. I mean, just crazy. That is awesome. Yeah. yeah. So it was my birthday and we went to Joe Oh, Rogan's. happy birthday. Oh, Thank you did. You. How fun. 
Oh we went gosh. to his comedy club, which I yeah. love comedy. Awesome. So that Mothership. was a whole yeah, that was a whole so cool. scene. I had never oh, been yeah. to Sixth Street. I didn't know about Sixth Street. Yeah. Oh, you didn't. Oh my gosh. Yes. So it's was... changed a lot over the years. So really? How so? Yeah. Well, in the nineties, I mean, it was the only place to go if you're going out like for live music and to party and stuff. That was where you went. So that was where we went. Like when we when South by Southwest started, it was like the clubs there on Sixth Street and that was it. And so you'd buy like a wrist band and it wasn't expensive and you'd go like bar hopping and all that but you know now it's like there's other parts of town you can go to and then it's just it's a little bit dangerous there like sometimes there's shootings and stuff like that so yeah so it's so, not I don't go there except to go to comedy really it's rare I don't go there for any other reason that I can think of I kind of saw that I was like yeah. we wanted to stop and get the kids some snacks on the way back you know for the morning yeah and I was like oh my god where do you pull over not there <laughs> Not there, but other places in Austin, I'm sure, are amazing. But yeah, it just, I think there's a revamp in progress. I think that's going to be redone or something. But anyway, I mean, yeah, it's, they call it Dirty Sixth for a reason. Wow. How long have you been in Austin? Since 94. Can you believe it? I know. And then you were in LA at one point too, right? Mm -mm, no, only, yeah. no. I have two daughters and their dads are here. So speaking of daddies. And so, yeah, so I've been here. Okay. Okay. I don't know why yeah. I thought you were in LA. You had a clothing store there? I had a clothing store here. Yeah. For I want years. to know what you learned from retail. Ugh, a lot. <laughs> I learned I don't want to keep doing it. <laughs> it's a grind. Yeah. But it's wonderful. I love the people. So yeah, it was really, there were a lot of great things about it. So yeah, clothing stores. So I've been in Austin almost 30 years, which is a trip to me. And I've lived a bunch of lives. I mean, here. And so my clothing store was a really good lesson. I called it just like an MBA. Basically, I felt like I got a crash MBA and learned so much about business. And I learned that, yeah, I didn't really want to continue with a store. I was pregnant at the time for with my first child, like five years in, and we went to buy George is a really big store here. And the people who founded it, Matt and Katie were having a 25th anniversary party. And I went to that and I saw a 20th or 25th and I saw how much work it took to really have a successful store and be in it like a hundred percent. And I was like, I don't, my heart's not in this. And we just decided to wrap it up then. And so it was a good decision for me. It's a lot, a lot, a lot of work. It's hard to make money at, but man, I love the people that I met. I made, met so many friends that I'm still friends with to this day and, and just really enjoyed the community of fashion in Austin. And it was like burgeoning back then. So it was a lot of fun. I like that. Cool. One of my favorite Instagram posts of yours is when you talk about like what you've done at different ages, do you get that all the time? It's part of, you know, what I consider like my brand now, you know, it's like, I yeah. want to encourage people to do all different things because you can be 35 and think, gosh, I'm out of time. You are not out of time. Like I am here to, you know, preach till I'm blue in the face. You have so much time and you can do anything that you dream of at any age. So that's like, that's what I'm all about. I mean, I just want to highlight some of those things because I I feel like they're so relatable. You said you picked up a guitar at 38. I literally have two guitars that my grandmother gave me that she got off the home shopping network. <laughs> they're signed by Randy Jackson, I think. Oh. And <laughs> wow. Okay, dog. <laughs> gotta love grandma. And yeah. I'm like, okay, so I'm 44. I just turned 44. And, and that's something that I would still like to do. So that's on my list. And then good. Good. You and you look amazing. Song. You look amazing, by the way. I was not going to guess you're 44. Aww. I thought there was no way you were a day over 35. 
That's no so way. sweet. Thank yeah. you. And you wrote a song. So for my show too, like relating to this list, like I decided to write a song for the podcast and I love that you wrote a song and then published an, an album at 41. So my first album, I've released about five. So, that is yeah. incredible. And you wrote a you book. You can do it too. You've already written You've already written a song. I'm sorry, I'm interrupting you. This is, yes, I mean, I this list is so inspirational. Started dating again at 47 after 20 years off. I have a friend in Chicago that came to me after taking like 20 years off and was like, Rena, how do I put myself back out there? Can you please help me put together a profile? Can you like help me weed out these guys? I don't even know how to weed out guys, you know? That's yeah. a whole thing after taking a break, right? It's a massive learning experience. And that's part of it too. It's like, are you going to embrace the opportunity to, to learn these things and to really live life. And so I said yes to dating. I said yes to learning the guitar. I said yes, you know, to getting on stage and playing rock and roll here in Austin, live music capital of the world. And you know what? Those were all very scary moments for me. They weren't like, yay, yes. They were more like, oh my God, this is out of my comfort zone, but I'm going to do it anyway. And so that is where we grow. That is where we retain youthfulness. That is where we really, I mean, it's not that big a deal anyway, but we make it a bigger deal because we're thinking it, overthinking it most of the time, or at least I am. And if I just shut that part down a little bit and go for it, then your comfort zone expands. Then what you're capable of expands. Then your joy in life expands. I mean, it's just so expansive when you say yes to those things that scare you. And that's what that's been. And for your friend too, it's scary. You know, if you haven't dated for 20 something years, I didn't realize that was my truth. I had to look and go, oh, I bounced from one marriage to the next. I never took time to date and I haven't dated since I was 20. I think at that time, like I, it would have been 22. And so I was 47 then. And I thought, wow, that's 25 years. I, or 46, I think. So 24 years. So I thought, well, I better learn how. I better learn how to enjoy it if I'm going to do it. And so many, there's such tropes around dating that are hating it and everybody likes to get together and complain about it. And I was like, no, what you say creates your reality. So I said, I'm not going to say those things. If I'm not enjoying it, I'm not going to do it. So how do I create something that is fun? And so I jumped in and just decided to have a good time. And you, you detach from that outcome. You detach from like, does that person like me? Is this going anywhere? You know, all those questions that can crop up. <laughs> yeah, another interview I heard you do, you said, am I addicted to being liked? I loved that question. I did? Wow. Yeah. It's true, right? Yeah. Yeah. That I feel like, and you also said that you were like a recovering people pleaser, which so many of us are. And, you know, wanting to be famous, wanting to be the best radio broadcaster, wanting to be a part of a podcasting network, wanting to make this your profession. How can you find your voice? Do you inch your way into it? Do you learn along the way? Are you careful? What did that trope look like? I think for me, there was an aspect of overcoming perfectionism and thinking that it had to be perfect and had to be right as if there's a right way right off the bat because there's not and it's never going to be the best it's going to be. So you have to accept that you're kind of going to suck at it at first or you not going to be the best at it at first. And the more you can do that, the more you can get started and be on the way to doing whatever it is you want to do. Say it's podcasting or singing or whatever. You accept, hey, I'm going to suck at this at first. And I've likened it in the past to the pilot of any hit TV show. Go watch the pilot. They suck. They oh, suck. Yeah. The first episode of Seinfeld sucks. And if they had gotten held up and like, oh, it has to be just perfect. 
it wouldn't have become the gigantic, massive success that it was. So those things can hold me back. But the sooner that I learned that about myself, the easier it was to recognize it in the moment and say, oh, okay, I recognize this. I know I do this. So that's not what I want to do. I want to be able to do this. So let it go, let it go, let it go. Those are, that's like the billboard of my life right now is like, how can I just let go? <sighs> holding on to perfectionism, holding on to people pleasing, holding on. And really a lot of times when we're talking about that desire to have it right the first time, that is tied to people pleasing because really we're just creating something in our head of what we think people want to see when we don't really know. And we get all wound up about what we think people think of us and how do we let that go? and then just do whatever it is you're dreaming of rather than getting all up in your head about it and creating a false version of other people's thoughts about it. Does that make sense? Do Isn't you know that crazy? Yeah, it is. It really is. And I mean, I've, I've done it a million times, so I'm not certainly not judging anyone that does. Do you feel like it. your parents found their voice? <laughs> yeah, actually my parents, they were no slouches in the voice department. And my sister's a singer. She was the singer in the family. My, my daughter's a singer. My dad had a very, I've, I've been thinking a lot about my dad because of the title of the show and because you're you've got your dad on and I listened to some of it and it's just so nice like that you guys have that connection you will never regret that my dad passed away in 2012 no I'm sorry 2011 December 14th 2011 so we're going on I guess 12 years and he was sort of a larger than life figure and had no trouble speaking his mind at any time ever and he was sort of six foot four and a kind of a West Texas guy and anyway he was a very good person who really stood up for what he believed in and didn't have any problems saying that and encouraged me to as well. And I have one sister and my mother too. She said she was born 10 years ahead, too early, 10 years too early. She really wanted to be burning bras, but she was born in the thirties and raised in the fifties. And then, you know, she stayed single for quite a while. She got married at 27 and everyone thought she was an old maid because it was the sixties. And so anyway, she did get married, but she still waited to have kids until she was 32 and 36, which was very unusual back then. And she was always very outspoken. She was a strong in her religious faith. She was a Methodist and she got very involved with she thought that the Methodist church should have as their dogma, their doctrine. She would get involved in, you know, accepting people of all faiths, accepting people of all sexual orientations. And I really appreciated that about her. She did a lot of writing and a lot of standing up for people, which I think is wonderful. That is wonderful. Did you go through her writings? Yeah. God, there's so many. <laughs> there's so many. So she passed away in 2005 at the age of 69. I know. So both my parents are gone. So I really enjoyed the title of your show, you know, your format, because it made me think a lot specifically about my father. But yes, I did go. We did go through some of her writing, but there was a lot there. <laughs> I think my nephew, he's in his 20s. He has it all right now. And yeah, so I haven't read as much as I probably should. So, but I know you're you a know. big reader, though, which is cool. I do read. I do read. I tend to keep a stack of books that are about, I don't know, eight to 10 books that I read maybe a page or two or maybe a few more every day. I've been a little off my game, Rena, because I just moved into a new house and it's just like taken up all my energy. So oh my God. I have not, I've been off my reading game, but I do believe in reading all the time, reading things that expand us. Like I said, it's expansion, you know, and I know like 75 hard, for 
instance, you know, if you've ever looked into the 75 hard, he recommends you, you have to read 10 pages a day of an actual book. And I agree, like there's something to that when you actually read every single day. It's a valuable habit that I cherish and really enjoy doing. It takes me forever to get through a book, but I don't care. You know, it took me, I just, I read the Course in Miracles, like Cliff Note book, basically <laughs> made easy, I think it's called. And I got through that, but now I'm starting Course in Miracles in my in my stack. And it's, it's I mean, talk to me in a few years, <laughs> maybe I'll be done. <laughs> Talk to me about miracles. Have you had any in your life? Oh, yeah. How could anyone say no to that question? Could anyone? No, I don't think so. I think that so much is about how you frame things and how you choose to see things. And I've had too many to count. I think that, you know, since we were talking about our parents, I've had the miracle of being present for both of their deaths. What a blessing to get to be with someone at the end of their life when they take their last breath. And I was right beside both my mother and my father in those moments. And it's truly a miracle. You know, life and death is a miracle. And getting to be there was something that I don't know why that just came up for me not to go, not to, not to bring it down a little bit, but just, you know, those are the big moments of life that really are miraculous. And I mean, just having my kids, just mm -hmm. there's so many things that we take for granted a little bit that are truly miracles. But day to day, I try to train myself to look for miracles all the time, whatever it may be. And it can be something so small as, you know, the miracle of you and I communicating over these airwaves that I have no idea how they're working. <laughs> and, um, you know, the internet and or it can be bigger ones that we experience every single day. I mean, who knows what miracles that we don't even know that we experience, like driving down the road. Did we just, did I spill my coffee because I was meant to leave two minutes later because I would have been in a car accident? You know, I mean, like I'm a believer that everything just is leading us the way that life is supposed to, down the path that we're supposed to go down. So I believe that there are miracles seen and unseen all the time. And I believe in just staying in that mental space. Now, that's not to say, I don't have moments that are that get dark that i get sad i had one this summer like i just i got kind of in a little funk it happens that's part of the ups and downs of humanity and life and this human experience and that's okay it doesn't mean that the miracles aren't there it just means that we just don't see them right now <laughs> i love that answer and oh, i i agree with you i think being able to be with your parents at the very end is such a blessing i am curious like did anything profound come from those experiences, you know how some things are just like ingrained in your mind forever, or there's like a picture or a moment. I think it's just that we have a lot more control than we give ourselves credit for. Meaning, Ooh. my mother was not in any conscious state. She wasn't talking. She was completely out of it. She was just her body was functioning. You know, she had hospice. She was in bed, couldn't speak or anything. She was just laying there, and her heart was beating basically, and she was barely breathing. And so we all gathered around just kind of by accident. I just happened to be in the room. My sister came in, my dad happened to be walking by the room. So he came in and knelt down beside her and we were all right there. And my sister said a prayer and just said, you know, it's okay to go. Basically, we watched my mom's pulse stop in her neck just right then. And it was astonishing. I know it was really, really powerful. Wow. And it also just 
stuck with me that when we have the will, we are capable of keeping ourselves alive, of letting go of things that we're holding on to. I think so many people can hold on to life in those end stages when they think that people still want them around, you know, or still need them. They're still needed or something. They can't let go. That's for real. <laughs> I don't know. We've got definitely, topic, but, yeah, definitely, but, but that stuck with me. And I think that, you know, it's important to just remember in those moments to voice it. That's a good example of voicing something. If my sister hadn't said that, would my mom have heard it? However, she heard it. Would that moment have happened, you know, but that's a really, I, I haven't really thought of that till right now, till we're talking about this, but that's a great example of using your voice and saying something out loud that typically you might hold in, you know, like you may think, oh, she doesn't need to hear that or she can't hear me. Instead, she voiced it. And you know what? It was the best thing in that moment because it, she was going to die. And we were all able to be there, assuming she knew that we were there. And so, you know, that is so interesting that she said it out loud because there's so much power in our words. And I'm a big fan of saying things out loud and voicing, like you were saying, you know, just the power of the voice. Do you feel like God potentially played a part in her saying that? Like a lot of times my relationship with God is like, please, God, give me the right words. Oh, yeah. I do. You know what? That's so good. I was just reading a book. It's called It's Not Your Money by Tosha mm. Silver. Have you read it? No. It's very interesting because it's kind of goes against all this manifestation and all that and be it to see it and all that. Instead, she just says you surrender everything to God. You surrender it all in every moment. And she has a prayer in there where when you don't know what to do, you just say, just use me. And you know, you could do that with the words. Just, just give me the words. And there's a trust in that, that you can just go, you know what? It's not mine. I'm just channeling something. And that's, that almost takes the pressure off of you, right? Totally. Especially if you're a people pleaser, you know, going down that road. It helps you take yourself out of the equation and know that you're channeling something something bigger, whether it's music or podcast or your job or talking to your kids, talking to your dad, whatever it is, you can let go and just go, you know what? I'm just going to trust in the moment and, and say it out loud and just ask like, Hey, use me to convey this message in the best way possible or whatever. I say that before every podcast, I light some Palo Santo. I do a little prayer with my guest and I say, you know, may our words just be guided in this moment. And even if you just loose believe in a higher power or don't have a fully fledged idea of God, who cares? It doesn't matter. If you feel something or it just speaks to you and takes the pressure off, what's wrong with that? Go for it. You know? <laughs> just Heck do yeah. it. Yeah. I uh, absolutely love that. And I also find that interesting considering some of the subject matters that you have covered. <laughs> what do you mean? I was Sex? checking out that episode that you did on big pussy energy. And I was like, I, I don't think like you started there. Like, did you kind of... You you know, evolve into being more comfortable with covering more controversial subject matters. You know, I feel like we've just labeled it controversial. Like we all have these sex organs, like, and we just don't talk about it. So it's like, I prefer just to talk about things that we're all thinking about anyway. You're referencing a really great episode with Bertini Burton as well. And she has a platform called Big Pussy Energy. And I am so impressed by women that are just really seizing the moment to talk about things that are happening in our lives all the time that maybe we can optimize. So let's optimize them. A lot of that can be sexually. And for me, I've had some angst around that because I felt like, oh, am I too old? Or, you know, 
<laughs> stories that we tell ourselves. And so I've been in a process of letting all that go and trusting that I'm led in the right direction and willingness to learn. Because I think a lot of times we can say, oh, I've, I've got that down, you know, but there's always room to grow and learn. And so that has been a big learning space because Bertini's, you know, she's half my age, but she knows a lot. And so it's been a lot of fun to open up to women who are really, truly in that learning space and see what can I learn? What can I apply to my life? And how can I trust that this person came into my life for a reason? How can I guide my words? I, so, I mean, like, yeah, I'm always doing it. How can I find the right words that are going to help anyone that's listening? So I love that. Yeah. yeah. I think too, <laughs> having a platform and having a podcast has expanded even what me and my dad talk about. I was actually wondering, have you ever talked to your parents like later in life about sex? I wish they were around for me to talk to about that, you know, but they're not. My dad and I had some very frank and interesting conversations before he died. I was close to 40 or I was 40 when he died. But yes, I heard you say that with your dad and or say that about conversations with your dad. And what a gift. You know, what a miracle right there. Like you're having these cool conversations that you wouldn't have otherwise had. And that's so incredibly valuable for you, for everyone, but for you. And yes, so I do. That's why I do this. I love it. And sometimes even Justin and I, my partner, Justin Wren, he and I will record a podcast together and we'll end up talking about things that we might not otherwise talk about with the mics in front of us and everything. And so that's been very interesting as well. And we'll afterward, we'll be be like, gosh, I'm sure glad we recorded that because it opened us up to something we didn't see coming. You know, it's just, it's, it's very interesting. So if anyone was thinking about having these conversations, I say, do it. It's great. What about with right? your daughters? Yeah, my daughters, because you have a daughter, correct? Yeah, I have one daughter and three sons. One daughter and three sons. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, and how old is everyone? My oldest is 15 oh and my. I had the first three and four years. I wanted to knock that chapter out and then I <laughs> waited like another six years. So my my youngest is four. Okay. I thought she was young. So yeah. Oh, so you've got a teenager. So I have yes. a teenage daughter. She just turned 12. Yeah. It's wild. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Wow. Well, yeah. I mean, it is wild. I have a 14 year old daughter and an 18 year old daughter. So yeah, I feel like they don't want to hear what I'm doing on the podcast right now. They don't listen. They don't want to know. They know I talk about all sorts of things. And that's just my 18 year old was like, I, I really don't, I'm not listening. And I was like, that's fine. It's fine. I don't know. Uh, maybe someday, but I think that it's made me a better listener. And so I am able to detach from what they're saying a little bit better, a little bit better <laughs> and, and give them some space. So I think that what I do podcasting or radio, whatever it is behind a mic definitely serves me in that way. Like I'm not trying to talk at them all the time. It's made me a better listener. So I'm able to listen to them and just, and just stay present because essentially these podcasts and radio and all that, you have to be very present. So I love that about it. I also am curious, solo episodes versus interviewing episodes. Like how have you gotten so good at the solo episodes? Well, that's very kind of you to say, I appreciate that. Cause I don't know how good I am at it. I think it's another one of those things where you jump in and you do it and you evolve. I saw somebody recently, I can't think of his name. He's a real interesting speaker and he's such a pro at solo episodes, but he was showing his first one. And it's like I was talking about just jumping in and doing it, not waiting for it to be perfect. It's not going to be perfect. Don't evaluate it. Go back and listen, see what you can improve and then move on. You know, 
he was talking about that and it resonated with me because I'm not dying to go back and watch my first solo episode ever. I don't even know what that would be, but yeah, but I keep going with it, right? So I'm trying to expand my YouTube right now and do two solo short YouTube episodes every week. And I haven't been putting them out yet. I've been dragging my feet a little bit and I'm setting up my new studio. So I'm hoping to do that probably this week, maybe next week. And so I'm excited to push myself in that way and see how much better I can get at solo episodes. But it is, again, it's a matter of practice. Every single thing is a matter of practice, whether it's conversations with your spouse and being in the moment and learning there, whether it's talking solo into a camera, whether it's yoga, whatever it is, it's a practice. I'm a big fan of everything is a practice. So just show up, show up, do it. And then you're going to get better. Like, how can we just step more into accepting everything as a practice? I think that's what yoga means. It means life as a practice. And so I'm all about that. Life is a practice. So even just me talking with you today, I'm going to get better. I, I was listening back to myself and I said, I'm saying like too much. So I'm going to really consciously try not to say that too much today when I have this conversation with Rena. I'm trying to improve, you know, so you can just find these spaces that you can keep improving on. There's probably people that are like, no, I'm the greatest I'm going to be, but come on. Come yeah. On. <laughs> you know, what's interesting too. I love collaborating with other creators because I feel like one, they have a good mic Two, They want to make the best video possible and <laughs> they're just comfortable having a conversation. Do you notice the difference between collaborating with creators versus just, you know, authors or people that want to tell their story? Yeah. I mean, I think there's definitely an element of like, you get it. If you live in that space all the time of creating, we are all creators though. Ooh, in I love that every point. single way. So it's just, again, a matter of how much you're doing it. And those creators have just done it more. They've lived the practice more. And so we're constantly showing up. So yes, it's easy, but I think that I've done it enough that in one of your episodes, you were talking about being a good podcaster means listening and being really in the moment. And that is the key for me. So I feel Feel like I have good conversations no matter what with everybody. So creators are easier because they do get it and they will keep it going. Sometimes you can get somebody who doesn't quite keep it going, but if you're really listening and really sitting in the moment and really comfortable and really living the practice by showing up and doing it all the time, then you're, then you're going to be able to do it. So for me, it's fun either way. I love it. I have a really good time. Are there parts of it that you've decided not to do? Like you did say that you kind of wanted to focus on YouTube. I feel like I've put YouTube down for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, have you? Why is that? I just, I feel like it's a different animal. I mean, I know it's like a huge search engine. That's where my kids consume all of their content, Yeah. but there's only so much that you can do. And I feel like YouTube isn't necessarily my strength. So right now I've only been putting the episodes on YouTube that have great audio or have great audio and video, or the guest has a presence there already, right? Because it's an extra step. Like, I feel like my biggest audience and where I get the most engagement is LinkedIn, Twitter, my private Facebook group. So I feel like, do I really need to put the entire episode on YouTube when 
I'm noticing that most of my listens are from Apple and Spotify. Yeah, totally. You know what? And it's what works for you right then. I, I don't see anything wrong with that at all. I just am curious about opening myself up more since I'm mostly hosting. So I'm going to explore it a little bit more. And I'm excited about that. And you know what? Who knows? A year from now, you may talk to me and I may be like, nah, that's not for me. So we don't know where it's going to lead, but I know that I know that I'm going to learn stuff and you know, you are too, right? Like if you hadn't done it, you might be wondering, but you have, you've learned, you're making the assessment for what's best for you in this moment for your show. Yeah, yeah. totally. Also mm -hmm. talk to me about like in-person versus virtual. Well, I do prefer in person. I like the energy that it brings and I am striving to do most of my shows in person. Luckily, I'm in Austin, Texas, so there's a lot of people here and I get connected to a lot of different people all the time. So that's been good. I, I really do enjoy that. And it's gotten easier than ever to record, put together a show, all that. So it's not too challenging to do. However, virtual, this is wonderful. Our connection is fantastic right now. I've been I still like those, but yeah, I, I, nothing beats the energy of being in person. Don't it's you think? so true. Even being able to like hug the guest before yes. or after yes. or like wanting to hang out after or just what happens behind the scenes is so much fun. It really, it really truly is. I mean, you're just, you're just there. You're connected. Not that I don't value the connection that this is right here. We're so lucky to have this. What a miracle. But the in-person connection is just my jam. So if I can do it in person, I do. And I usually try to prioritize those. But I've got one I'm recording tomorrow that's virtual. So it'll be great. Yeah. I am yeah. curious too about like research versus not research. Like what's your process now? It varies a little bit, but mostly I do my own research and I don't usually dive too, too deep, but which would mean, you know, spending hours or having an assistant do it for me. I usually enjoy going through people's stuff and getting a real feel for who they are. I want them to share their knowledge in the best way possible. So I do wanna highlight things that make them unique and highlight what they really wanna talk about. So I do ask people in advance just a few questions. I say, what's your title? I usually get them to pronounce their name for me because no matter how simple it is, I just wanna hear them say it. I ask them, if they could break down their message, what they're all about into one sentence, what would that be? And then I ask them what the most transformative experience of their life is. And so just some really, really simple things that, that are jumping off points. And I usually ask them in advance too, is there anything that's real that you're really like focused on right now? I just love this moment so much. I don't always like to talk about your entire backstory because I feel like a lot of people have already talked about that a lot. And sometimes it's really fun to stay present in the moment and say, what are you learning right now? And a lot of times that story comes into it and they'll say, oh, you know, this has served this and they'll tell that story, which is very interesting. And it just flows really nicely. But I just, I love like you did, just jumping in and, and keeping it very conversational. And again, just listening. I have a 30 year, 30 plus year radio background. And that is such a love of mine. I'm a radio nerd. And that is all about listening and being really present because sometimes in the radio world, somebody, you would literally, 
literally had two minutes to know that somebody was coming in and we better figure it out real quick. <laughs> you know, oh, they have a book. Okay. So you just jump in and you just talk about it. And as long as you're listing, it's great. And sometimes it's just more fun to, to learn as the listener learns and just go with it. But there's also the moments where you've done some research and can surprise people with a really deep and interesting question. And they go, wow, you did your research. So, you know, there's a, there's a little bit of a, a balance there. So you can really choose a few things that speak to you. Maybe it's off their social media, simple, and then you can just flow with it. So th that's like my quick interview 101 for you. I am so glad I asked you that. Now I totally want to know, like, what's the most transformational thing for you? Oof, it's hard to choose just one. Getting divorced, I think the first time I've been divorced twice, which I never expected. Are you married? You're divorced? I'm married. Yeah. How long have you been married? 17 years. Wow. Respect. Thanks. That's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. So I never, my parents were not divorced. His parents were not divorced. I never expected to be divorced. It was like not even in my realm of thought. That completely transformed my way of thinking. Once I said it, I, it was when I said it out loud too. I was like, I'm going to have to get a divorce. I was just so astonished at it. And I felt like I grew up at age 33 or whatever I was. And it just, it just changed me a lot into understanding that I had control over my life and could make decisions. I think that I'd always sort of been a little bit the youngest kid and cute and deferring to what people expected of me. And, you know, as a woman too, we can defer to, oh, these expectations, this is what you should do. Now you have to go to college and then you're going to get married and you're going to have a baby. Everything's going to be fine, blah, blah, you know? <laughs> and instead I was like, oh, it doesn't have to be that way. It can be any way that I want it to look. And I feel that now more than ever. And it's really empowering. And that is so transformative. And I've had to come back to that lesson over and over and over, but ultimately that is the transformative experience is knowing your own power and stepping into what you are capable of. That's not to say the divorce is good or bad necessarily. It just was for me. It was something that transformed. I wrote in my last album that I did was a double album called Magic. It's volume one and two, and it is about transforming. I took all the songs from volume one and I redid them into a different style for volume two. I did like a dark Black Sabbath-y rock and roll for the volume one. And then I, it actually was during my second divorce. And then I redid them all the same songs into like a nineties trip hop kind of vibe. The point was that everything in our life transforms and we don't have to deem it better or worse. It's just different. Our growth is just different. Like we're not going to say that the butterfly is that much better than the caterpillar. It just transforms. It just changes. I do like butterflies better than caterpillars. Though. So I do actually really love the element of the growth. I do love it so much. And so transformation is hard. Transformation can be scary, but it's so worth it in the end because you really do spread your wings in ways that you never saw possible. But we don't have to judge that old one either. The old you is was integral and an integral part of becoming what you are now. Do you feel like transforming is part of your legacy? Probably. 
I really admire people who do that and are able to just reinvent. And I love that concept. I love uh, anyone who at any age is willing to fall flat. And I don't consider that failure. I was going to put failure in quotes, but just willing to brush it off and try again and not be afraid to suck at it. And yeah, just this idea of saying yes and going for it, even when it's scary. I hope that is my legacy. I hope that my kids, one of the reasons that I did music in the first place is because I had two daughters and I thought, I want to show them what's possible. I want to show them that you can do anything at any age. And so that's what I did. And it has rubbed off. My kids say things every now and then, especially my older one. She says, I admire my mom for this. And they've taken, they take notice. They take notice, Rena. So they're going to notice you doing this podcast. They're going to, it's rubbing off, even if they don't show it. Those teenagers, they don't like to show it, but it is, it's in there. And so if I have a legacy toward anyone, it would be them that, I mean, would really matter to my heart so much. But to anyone, I hope that, that they would look at my life and think, yeah, that's, in, that's inspiring. I can pick up and do anything at any age. That's what it's all about. I absolutely 50, love that. I'm 51. I'm 51, by the way. So yeah. You look amazing too. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I know your class is about the ageless mindset. I have two courses out. There's a free one called Ageless Mindset, and then there's a paid one called The Youthfulness Hack. And Ageless Mindset, yeah, is about kind of what we were talking about with words and what you're saying and creating your own reality. And it's so simple. It's so simple. And so it's like about 30 minutes long and you can go through and get tips on how to feel better in this moment, feel happier right now. And the youthfulness hack is the same thing. It's just about feeling your best at every stage in life and knowing that some of your best days are still to come and really fostering that and moving into that because we can get in a mindset sometimes I think especially especially as we grow older, that my best days are behind me. And that if you say that, then okay, I guess they are. But I don't believe that to be true for anyone. Some of your best days haven't even happened yet. So say that out loud, know that in your heart, keep moving in that direction. And who knows what life has in store for you, especially when you're voicing that and putting it out there and commanding it to you. So the youthfulness hack is about, it's it's nothing complicated. You don't have to buy anything fancy. It's just all the practices that I do all the time to really stay in a vibrant space and really love life so much to know that my best days are still ahead still coming. I love too that people like the most asked questions you get are like, how do you look so alive? Like, yeah, that's so awesome that that is a question that you get asked. Yeah, it's nice. It it is. It's nice. And that you made a class about that. (laughs) I mean, that's (laughs) genius. Well, I guess the question you get asked the most is the one you should answer, right? So I thought I should, and I just I never want anybody to think that it's out of their reach or it's too complicated or you have to buy a whole bunch of stuff. You don't. This is not even anything that you have to continue down the road. It's just practices that anyone can do all the time. And so I don't do all of them all the time. Like I said, right now I've fallen off of both reading and meditation, but I kind of meditate all the time. I've trained myself enough, but I've been moving and we're going to have big life events that happen and throw us off a little bit. And that's, who cares? The more toxic thing is beating yourself up about it. I had a guest recently, Leola, who is a Tantra practitioner, and she was saying that one of the most toxic things we can put in our body is shame. And she's so right because 
the thing that's going to age you is beating yourself up. It should be a different way. I should be doing this. I'm not doing that. And I'm screwing up. Letting all that go is actually the best process that you can use to feel your most vibrant in this very moment. It's such an odd paradox, but it's true. Everything's a paradox. Didn't you say too that like love is a paradox? So it kind of is because we want love. So we think we have to like give it, but you really just need to give it to yourself. And the more we can love ourselves and sit in that space, the more actually we are able to love others and accept and receive the love that they have to give to us. It's, it sounds like we should love others to get the love that we need, but really we have to love ourselves first. And that's been a massive learning experience for me. So diving into self-love practices, which I do talk about in the course. How can we teach our children that? Like, I feel like that is so important to teach them so that they don't make the same mistakes we did. I know. I wish I had started really young with like mirror practices for them and saying, just saying, saying, I love you in the mirror. I can get them to do it a little bit, but I think modeling it is such a big part of it. So they know that I I have my practices every day and I'm not, I'm past the point of embarrassment. I'll do it in front of anybody now, you know, like, you know how you can feel, it can feel a little weird to you know, look in the mirror and say, I love you to yourself. You can feel like you don't want anybody else to see you do that because it's vulnerable. But when you get to a point though, when you've done it enough that you don't care anymore, it's the same as singing out loud. You do it enough, you don't care who hears you and you just feel good. And that example that we're setting for our children is to me, the, the biggest one you can tell, you can tell them all day long to do certain things and they're not, they're not going to do it. My daughter was playing guitar on TikTok and she got a whole bunch of views on one of her, she was singing to a song that she wrote and I, I got so excited and I said, oh, you should do this all the time. And she said, just stop talking right now because if you tell me to do this, I'm definitely not going to do it. <laughs> I thought, ah, oh, come on. And so I just had to shut my mouth. And so I think that telling them doesn't really work. You have to just live by example. And I strive to live by example. And that means I've talked a lot, a lot about this too. That means honesty. You want honesty from your kids, you better model it to them in every way. If they ask you the hard questions, have you ever done drugs? What are you going to say? Are you going to be honest? Are you going to lie? Because if you're lying, you're modeling that behavior to them and that's what you're going to get back. So I have even in really hard times, you know, they'll say, why are you divorced from my dad? I mean, like, I don't throw those guys under the bus. I want to live with integrity. I want to say what's true for me, but also take the highest road possible. And so it's like a line that I have to navigate, but I do it and I do it to the best of my ability and I own my behavior. I am responsible for my actions. And so all those things that we want to see in our kids, self-love included, are you modeling it? Are you really living it? And that is where the impact really happens for your kids, at least at least I believe that that to be true. My kids are still 14 and 18, so we'll see. We'll see, but to I be determined. So. TBD. <laughs> it's funny because I can literally picture my dad like kissing himself in the mirror. Like, really? I saw my dad say that he loved himself. Yes. And I, from a young age, kind of like jokingly imitated that. But it's so true. That is such a beautiful practice of giving yourself little kisses. Yeah. Yeah. Or just staring into your own eyes and saying, Ooh. I love you. And we would do that to our children in a heartbeat, but we hold back to ourselves because it feels weird because it's not accepted. I don't know. List a reason. Those practices mean a lot to me and I do it 
just about every day. When I'm on my game, I do it every single day. My move has kind of thrown me off, but I still do it. And I'll look in the mirror at myself and say, I love you. I love myself. I love you, Amy. And show myself that love that I need. I need it. I need to know that I'm unconditionally loved and I have the power to give it to myself. So why wouldn't I? That is super powerful. And you know, it's funny, like I actually love when my husband says my name. So I kind of want to even like incorporate my name into the I love you part. <laughs> do it. Do it. I do. Absolutely. I like that. Yeah. I like that little addition. Any other mantras that are? Well, I like that you're, you're going to try that. You know, yeah. I, I am a big proponent, even with my course and everything, of viewing things as an experiment. And mm. even if you started a podcast, even if you started your YouTube backup, it, whatever it is, it nothing has to be written in stone. Mm. I think that we can view everything as like, uh, let me just try this. Let me just see how it goes. And it keeps you open in a whole different way. You're not a attached to the results. You know that you're just trying it on for size, seeing what works for you. Nothing is a one size fits all. Everything doesn't work just like that for everyone. I think that's part of getting older for me is understanding that more fully and being cool with it if it doesn't. It's okay. Who cares? No one cares. No one really cares. No one cares. <laughs> I mean, really, you know, they don't. And so just go do your thing. So that's do your thing. Consider it an experiment. If you need to shift, shift. It's all right. We're the ones that are making it hard on ourselves so many times. So how can we drop that and be more in love with ourselves, more unconditionally in love with ourselves where we accept that this is part of our learning process to keep us moving on in the direction that we want to go. I didn't want to say to get us to where we want to go because there's not really an end result. There's not really a destination because once you're there, then what? So it's all a matter of just keeping moving and putting one foot in front of the other and trusting that we are enjoying, enjoying the process and learning as we go. That is such a positive message. And I, I feel like that gives us permission to like seriously freaking try anything. So I absolutely oh, I hope so. love I hope that. So. Yes, that is such a good message. And usually I have my guest like ask my dad a question, but I like even the one that you came up with earlier. Like I want to know what's his most transformational moment. Ooh, I do too. I, there, I thought of like 40 questions to ask your dad. Okay, come, I think too, bring him. Along, along with the transformation too, I just thought of one for him though with what we were just talking about. And that would be, what is he excited about at this stage in his life? What is he learning right now? right now at this stage, what keeps him interested? And I mean, he's learning podcasting too, probably with you. And that's really cool. But I just, I think that's a key to vibrancy. And I wonder if he would agree with that and what gets him excited and what he's looking forward to at this stage. How old is I he? love that. He is 67. Okay, cool. Yeah. He looks great too. Got Thank good you. genetics there. That goes a long way. <laughs> I guys, think he's so. a stud. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I would love to hear those answers from him. And just as someone a little further down the road, like what would he say to those? So yeah. That's a great question. Can I bounce that back to you? Like, what are you looking forward to? What are you learning? Yeah. Oh gosh. It's been different entering my fifties because sometimes you think of starting a project like in your thirties or something, and you got, you got plenty of time. If you're like, it's a 10 year project. Okay. I recently thought of something that I toyed with doing for a long time. And then I just thought, no way I wouldn't even have it 
really going till I'm 60 or something. I was like, no. So, <laughs> so, so some of those things you just go, nah, but what am I really looking forward to? I'm really looking forward to making more of a difference in the world. And by that, I mean, my partner has a nonprofit called Fight for the Forgotten that helps the pygmy tribes in Africa. And I've always had a dream of starting something for women and helping women around the world live better lives. And so Fight for the Forgotten is working on building a hospital right now for the pygmy tribe that is in Uganda. And I got to go visit this year and I am hoping to organically start an initiative under Fight for the Forgotten called Fight for Her that would have a focus on women's health. And so I am very excited about that. And I never saw this coming in my life, even though it was a dream that I had. I have an old audio vision board that I was listening back to. And I said that in there, I said, I have a- Wow. I have a a nonprofit that helps women across the world, you know? And so I'm just, things can come your way that you don't even realize that you're dreaming of and there they are. And so that's how I feel about this. And I love the work that he's doing, that Fight for the Forgotten is doing. And so if anybody's interested, you can check it out and feel free to donate or join the monthly giving club. I'm just so excited to be a part of that. That's not anything that I've done, but I feel like I've been called to Africa for a long time. I mean, my second husband was a US diplomat who served in Africa and I hadn't gotten to go and I just feel like there's something there. And so I'm, and it was such an amazing country. The people in Uganda, where I was, were just so welcoming and kind, had such beautiful hearts. And so I'm very excited to help people in the best way possible and help women in particular. And that's very dear to my heart. So that's what I'm looking forward to in the next 50 years of my life and I'm setting that example. So something much bigger than me. That's wonderful. Yeah. I saw yeah. the pictures from that trip and the waterfall uh, and just, it looks like an incredible experience. And I love that your dreams accompany your partners. I mean, uh, amazing yes. that you can do that together. That's so beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I really respect what he does and his mission in life. And we are very aligned on that. And that's been really wonderful. And I mean, we're excited about about what's to come. So I've been in a bit of a phase of redesigning my life a little bit to move in that direction. And so I'm, I've been in a big surrender mode, Rena, and just surrendering to the plan that is for me and to what's going to come my way and not attaching my own desires to it, rather letting those go all the time and seeing what develops because it could be something better than I ever imagined. Most of I the time absolutely it is. love that. Yes. And I think that you have to make space for that. So surrender is part of making space for bigger things. Absolutely agree with that. Nature abhors a vacuum. And so when you clear space, and don't make plans for what goes in that space, but you stay in the mindset of growth, you stay in the mindset of putting out good things out of your mouth and in your thoughts, that's gonna be what fills these spaces, this abundance, this happiness, this joy that is never ending for us. Well, you have brought me never ending joy with this super positive <laughs> episode. Thank you so much. Let people know how they can connect with you. I can't wait to hear what your dad says. I'm excited. Everybody, I'm super easy to find. Go to amyedwards.info and there's everything. There's all my shows. There's my courses. It's all clickable right there. And if you want to connect with me on Instagram, it's at real Amy Edwards. That's also on amyedwards.info. You can sign up for my newsletter there. Super easy. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It was a joy to meet you and to get to talk. I can't wait to hear what your dad says. Me too. You've heard from my mom. Now let's switch it over to grandpa.
You've had a discussion with Amy about, is it our experiment of life or is it God's experiment of life? And it's God's experiment at life. And the irony is that he did not make us perfect. So you have to have an attitude that we want to, in order to fill God's experiment, is that we have to be able to put ourselves in motion, be active, be growing, be learning. And we're, we're trying to see how things evolve. And that's what God's purpose of us being here. We're part of his trip. What I found to be very relevant or something new that is added to my wisdom now from this episode, which I have to give credit to Amy for, is that this evolving that we're doing is to make sure that it is not just about an individual and its contribution, but where the contribution of everyone needing to do this, everyone needing to get better, that it's, yes, you have a job to love yourself and for you to do better, but in order for it really to be successful, everyone has to learn how to do that. Mm. So if you get it, it's really indicative of, of you passing it on to others because we can't achieve God's goal unless we all do it. So when we're talking about equality, what does that really mean? Part of God's experiment is to put the freedom of choice and where this experiment is going to evolve that everyone is going to find out that they get a lot more satisfaction out of life the more people that participate in the growth of the world. And we don't really have that still. We're still a bunch of cave people or cavemen. We haven't really been able to even on some parts of our lives be able to get off square one. With what's going on in Israel, you say to yourself, you've learned, you have a job, you've been able to pivot and learn other things. If you had an opportunity to go back to school, take this or take that, but there's a lot on my plate already. But the fact is, is that how you can be just stripped of your entire 67 years of life is what I have, where that if I was visiting in Israel and the wrong turn was made, you could be stripped of all your clothes, all your money, all your material things, everything you've built with your family, and stripped into a dark hole somewhere, never to be found again, even while you're still breathing. It's tense. It's a tense reality. But then when you think about it, at the end of life, that's what we're destined for. We're not immortal. We're not going to live forever. As you know, we talked a little earlier this afternoon that working out at my age can't be the same workout that I did when I was 17 or 19 because your body can't handle that same physical being even in exercising. You can still overdo it playing sports or exercising and actually hurt yourself doing things that used to build you up. I really got to send you these tapes of Vic doing these crazy baffles that are impossible type of baffles. You just wouldn't believe. I couldn't even believe what I could see. And I've been in the business for 50 years. And what he just showed me on his explanation and tapes and the example, it's almost like, a, again, that I could go back to school and learn my own business. And I have 50 years experience. So we have to understand that we don't know it all. We're not going to be perfect at anything that we do. But the more we do it, the more we stay in motion, the more we keep as I told you when you were a little girl, the more that you reach for the stars, the more that you go for the brass ring. You have a chance to be in the game of life. You have a chance to achieve. And we learn more from our losses and our failures than we do from when, if it comes easy, we don't apply ourselves the same way. We really grind it out. I just played some blitz with your sister, Jessica, and she's been smoking me. And then all of a sudden, I, I beat her up the last two games. You should see she's had a perfect score now where she's got back at me competition also brings out the best in you. And we have to have a world of competition 
to bring out the best of everyone and those that can't make it. We shouldn't just dismiss that they're failures. We have a new perspective from Amy. It's not that they are failures. It's that we haven't achieved enough to make them successful too. That I like if we that. really want mankind and we really want to have a better name for ourselves, help more people achieve as well. Bring them along. And the more people that achieve, the more people that learn, the more people that grow, then you will have a better world. Good job. I like it. She also asked me, what am I looking to do? Remember, what really turns me on? What really has turned me on is that I've been rewarded with all that pushing of making grandchildren. And I wanted, obviously, you know, even more children is because from the way I was brought up, as you know, from previous episodes, it's never been all about me. It's always been passing on generational dreams and legacies to always be able to be part of the future. And because we can't live forever, I have to live through you, whether you like it or not. You don't have to be me, but you have to do the best that you can to live on and carry out carry out the dreams of the past because you are the future. Your children are the future. Your children's children are the future. And the only person that it really means something to and the big picture of things is the guy upstairs, is God. For him to be able to have his experiment really win, we all have to take part in it. We all have to make his dream come true also. We're part of his dream as well. And the irony of the whole thing is, is that if you concentrate hard enough, he'll actually communicate with you and give you a hint where we all are, have a piece of him in us too. It's called our conscience. And if you let your conscience be your guide and you let good be the choice over evil or bad, guess what? Better and better things can keep happening, not only to you personally or to your family personally, but everyone around you. It lights everything up. And that's what I look forward to, is spending as much time on this earth shining as bright as I can be and being involved with as many possibilities that can come my way and being open-minded to reach for everything that's close to touch. Amen. Keep doing that. Okay. Very moving episode. Thank you, Amy. Aw, that's sweet. Thanks for listening. Now I think I'm going to go call my dad. <laughs> I'll say goodbye and see you the next time. Thanks for listening to the Better Call Daddy Show. Join us weekly for new episodes and more daddy wisdom. Better Call Daddy is good advice always. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. You can also find special episodes on my YouTube channel. And you can listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Amazon Music, Alexa, or your preferred podcatcher. That's a wrap for now.